0: We can all listen
1: to the Sunny Side of Sports. Great show, bro. This is Sunny Side of Sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the August 3rd edition of the sunny side of sports the atlas lions of morocco will be making their sixth world cup appearance at this year's premier football competition in qatar morocco's best world cup showing was in 1986 when the team reached the round of 16 in mexico for qatar 2022 the moroccans are grouped with belgium Canada, and 2018 World Cup runners-up Croatia. Morocco will play Croatia on November 23rd in the opening World Cup match for both teams. Zazi Barisa is the media officer of the Nigerian football club Enyimba. Zazi says the Belgians are the favorites to
2: top the group of course one would think that it's all about the underachieving belgian team of course there's a team with so much talent so many players that um, some countries can only wish to have but unfortunately over the years with this golden generation they are called the belgians have not been able to win any silverware and that's really becoming troubling for them because Um, We see them at the initial stages of tournaments. You look at the 2018 World Cup the 2021 Euros, they have a clean sweep in the group stage, but only falter when the crucial stages come around. So this is yet another opportunity for them. Of course, they are expected to have another clean clean sweep in this particular group and um, emerge winners of this group. I wouldn't be surprised if they are able to pick all nine points as they have done in the last two major tournaments. But what would really define this Belgian side would not. Not be what they do in the group stage but what they do after the group stage there is also Croatia of course you want to consider them because of their exploits at the 2018 World Cup where they finished um, the second best team in that um, tournament but so many have felt that it was just a lucky ride for Croatia at the 2018 World Cup and the Croatians have not proved us wrong because when you look at how they fared in the major tournament after the World Cup in Russia they they struggled pretty much struggled to qualify from their group and eventually got got knocked out quite early in the knockout stages of that tournament so looking at this one cannot really bet on the Croatians Canada of course have shown great progress as a nation in football but in women's football and in men's football and coming to the World Cup right now is a big achievement for them already They, they will be coming as one of the most improved teams in the world at the moment. But I think the World Cup is a real test for them because for so many years, they haven't played any competitive game against a team outside the CONCACAF region. They haven't played a competitive game against a European team, against an African team as well. And these are the teams that they will be meeting at the World Cup. So I just wait to see how they will be able to square up against these non-Concacaf teams.
1: Zazi Barisa says the Moroccans are capable of advancing out of Group F in Qatar in part because of the international experience of their veteran Bosnian manager. For Morocco, who
2: are the African team in that group, one thing you cannot take away from them is the experience of their Bosnian coach Vahid Halilozic he's been around with them since after the 2019 Afghan and has been able to bring so much stability to that team and let's not forget this is a very experienced coach the last time he led a team to the World Cup was in 2014 when he was coach of Algeria, Belgium, where also in the same group with Algeria, so he will be facing Belgium again. But the the story of that World Cup was how beautiful that Algerian team were. They qualified from that group which had Belgium and Russia as well, and it took the brilliance of the eventual champions, Germany, to knock them out. In fact, they dragged Germany to extra time in that round of 16 fixture. I still remember it very clearly. So they were quite fantastic, and this same Coach Halilozic will be looking to repeat the same feat, at least with this Moroccan side. So I cannot bet against this Moroccan side. All they have to do is start on a good note in their opening game against Croatia. As a matter of fact, that's a game I think that they can win. And if they're able to do that, and with the way the group is shaped, a point in their last two matches might just see them through to the next round of the competition. So I really do fancy the chances of Morocco qualifying from that group.
1: Turning to Group G at the World Cup, Cameroon will play Switzerland, Serbia, and five-time World Cup champion Brazil. And Yemba Football Club media officer Zazi Barisa sizes up the group.
2: Group G has everything for the fans to look forward to, pretty much everything. Two European countries, a South American country and an African country. And in many ways, it is a typical World Cup group because you already know the two favorite teams to qualify from that group and, of course, the two underdogs. For the African team in Group G, Cameroon, Unfortunately, I really do not fancy their chances. I know Samuel Ertel, the FA president over there, has brought in his former captain, Rigoberto Song, But I just feel that the 2022 World Cup is coming too soon for that project to come to full manifestation. Also, considering that they find themselves in a very difficult group with two teams that almost very likely will make it from that group, Brazil and Switzerland. It will be extremely difficult for the Cameroonians. When we talk about the Brazilians and the Swiss team, we are talking about teams that are very difficult to break down. And when Minos come up against these teams that are not just good teams, but are also very difficult to break down, then it's almost very unlikely that uh, there will be an upset. I will be glad if the Cameroonians can prove me wrong and upset the Swiss team and maybe the Brazilians, but I just think that this group is a bit too difficult for this promising Cameroon team to navigate. Thanks, Zazie.
1: Voice of America.
2: Spotted greetings. This is Zazi Bariza, media officer of Imba Football Club of Aba, Nigeria. You're listening to the Sonny Side of Sports on The Voice of America.
3: Voice of America.
1: And as the Voice of America celebrates its 80th year of broadcasting, this Music Time in Africa historical note, Music Time in Africa is the VOA's longest-running English language program. It was founded in 1965 by the late, great Leo the Music Man Sarkeesian. And Heather Maxwell has certainly done a marvelous job as host in recent years. I'm VOA Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the Sunny Side of Sports on the Voice of America. Follow the Sunny side of sports on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is Facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. In more World Cup news, Uruguay, Argentina, Chile, and Paraguay have launched a joint bid to host football's premier event in 2030. Alejandro Dominguez, the Paraguayan president of the South American Football Confederation, says it's the dream of the continent to bring the World Cup back to South American soil. Brazil hosted the World Cup in 2014. Spain and Portugal also have a joint bid for the 2030 World Cup. World football's governing body, FIFA, is expected to decide the 2030 World Cup venue within two years. Qatar will host this year's World Cup. And the 2026 edition will be held in the United States, Mexico, and Canada. In women's football, newly crowned European champion England is tentatively scheduled to host the USA at Wembley Stadium in London on October 7th in a friendly international match. Now, the game is contingent on England qualifying for the 2023 Women's World Cup during the September international match window. The Lionesses of England need only to draw at Austria on September 3rd or defeat Luxembourg three days later at home. This would be the USA women's first visit to Wembley Stadium since the gold medal match at the 2012 Olympic Games when the USA beat Japan 2-1. The American women are four-time Olympic champions, and they've also lifted the Women's World Cup four times, including the past two editions in France and Canada. The 2023 Women's World Cup will be hosted by Australia and New Zealand. On Sunday, England won its first European title by defeating Germany 2-1, in front of more than 87,000 fans at Wembley. With interest in women's football at its highest level in England, a match against the USA, the sport's most decorated program, is expected to bring big international attention. VOA brings you the best in African music on the African beat.
2: African beat showcases the latest and the greatest of contemporary African music. From Bubu music to hip life, bonga flavor to succoose, afrobeat to Dumbolo and makosa to Kwaito. The African beat on VOA has it all. And
4: it's happening right here, Mondays through Fridays at 0905 and 2005
1: UTC, right after the international news. Thanks, David. That's David Vandy, the host of the VOA's African Beat music show. On the Commonwealth Games beat, Uganda's Jacob Kiplimo won the gold in the men's 10,000 meters final in Birmingham, England, where he clocked 27 minutes and 9.19 seconds. Jacob's time is a new Commonwealth Games record. Kaplimo finished ahead of three Kenyans, Daniel Ebeno, Kibiwat Candy, and Edward Pingwa, and the South African Adrian Wilchut finished fifth. Now Kaplimo's gold medal performance in Birmingham comes after he won a bronze medal at 10,000 meters at the recent World Championships in Eugene, Oregon. And let's not forget the bronze medal Jacob Kiplimo won at last year's Tokyo Olympics. This was also Uganda's second gold medal in athletics at the Commonwealth Games. Victor Kiplingot won the gold in the men's marathon on Saturday in a time of 2 hours, 10 minutes, and 55 seconds. Meanwhile, Trinidad and Tobago cyclist Nicholas Paul won a gold medal and a silver medal at the Commonwealth Games. It was Trinidad and Tobago's first cycling gold since 1966. Paul says his main goal now is to win a medal at the Olympics for Trinidad and Tobago, an Olympic medal would add to the hardware recently awarded to Trinidad and Tobago's men's relay team. Last month, the four men received their 2008 Olympic gold medals following Jamaica's disqualification. VOA's
3: Gwen Uden has the details. Sporty greetings, Gwen. Sporty greetings, Sonny. Let's rewind to the Beijing Olympic Games in 2008. Sprinters Aaron Armstrong, Keston Bledman, Mark Burns, and Emmanuel Callender ran the four-by-100-meter relay for Trinidad and Tobago. Their performance won them silver, with a finish nearly one second behind the gold medal-winning team of Jamaica that included sprinting legend Usain Bolt. Fast forward almost a decade later to a doping investigation conducted by the International Olympic Committee. A frozen blood sample found that Nesta Carter, who ran the leadoff leg for Jamaica, tested positive for banned substance. As a result, the IOC stripped Jamaica of its gold medal, and the team of Trinidad and Tobago were crowned the new Olympic champions. Last month, the four athletes received their gold medals, at the Olympic Museum in Lausanne, Switzerland, 14 years after they crossed the finish line in Beijing. And sprinter Aaron Armstrong called winning gold a historic victory for their home country. Oh, uh, it's, 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 it's big. I think we uh, it's
2: the third gold medal for the country. So being it's a small country, for us to bring this kind of joy and bring this kind of recognition back to the country is always a great feeling. And we know the people of Trinidad and Tobago, the kids, you know, our families uh, is going to really be celebrating us because it's a huge moment in history for the country.
3: During the ceremony, the four men were presented with their gold medals and a bouquet of flowers. And then their country's national anthem was played. A moment teammates Keston Bledman and Richard Thompson said was just as poignant as hearing it from the medal stand.
2: I heard some of my teammates well, sniffling. I was like, like, don't blink, don't blink, don't blink. I okay, can't if I blinked. It was going to run right down my face. <laughs> so, but the feeling, it's an awesome feeling. I can't even explain, explain to you because I say it was a long wait, but there's getting it. I, I get back that feeling. Here, here in the anthem plate,
4: I, say, I really can't explain it, but it was a tremendously amazing feeling. What I am truly proud of is the message that we've sent by the way we have competed. We, at no point in time, neither of us, not one of us, have been implicated in or try to shortcut or undermine the system and what it means to participate in, in this sport.
3: The sprint team were originally scheduled to receive their gold medals in 2020, but that event was postponed because of the coronavirus pandemic. ILC President Thomas Bach said he would have liked the four athletes to have experienced the medal ceremony at the Beijing Games in 2008. And while the July ceremony recognized and celebrated the four men for their gold-winning performance, Thomas Bach added the event also sends a message that clean athletes will be protected.
1: It is a clear warning to all the cheats, uh, never feel safe. And uh, it's a warning to them that uh, we are not uh, giving up, uh, but uh, that uh, we are using uh, the latest uh, methods, uh, which are available in uh, science, to catch uh, them uh, even uh, if uh, they, at the time, may have thought uh, they have found something which uh, could not be detected so the clear message is never feel safe and the other clear message is we want to protect the clean athletes and for this we undertake uh, every possible effort.
3: With the Jamaican men's relay team stripped of their gold medals, Usain Bolt's perfect record of winning gold in all of his Olympic events has now been tarnished. Trinidad and Tobago have participated in 16 summer and three winter Olympic Games. And now the dual island Caribbean nation has won three gold medals, all of them in track and field. And that is all from me, Sonny. Back over to you. Thanks,
1: Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Ooten. The sunny side of sports remembers Vin Scully, one of Major League Baseball's most revered broadcasters who died Tuesday at the age of 94. Scully called Dodgers games for a record 67 years. He joined the Dodgers broadcast crew in 1950 when the team was based in Brooklyn, New York. Scully followed the team to Los Angeles in 1958. And for generations of baseball fans in Southern California, Vin Scully perhaps personified the Dodgers more than any player. Vin Scully also attracted a national following here in the USA as the voice of NBC's Game of the Week, And he broadcast numerous World Series games. At his retirement ceremony in 2016, Vin Scully said he always loved baseball. I've loved this game for 80 years. That's a lot of years. But at no time did I ever waver in my allegiance to the greatest sport we have in this world. Vin Scully said he was blessed to have such a long baseball broadcasting career. It's been God's grace that allowed me to work 67 years, allowed me to live as long as I have lived. So anything and everything that I might receive, plaudits from the crowd, etc., I still believe. It it was uh, given to me through God's grace. Now let's listen to special archive audio from 1957 when Vin Scully was the broadcaster as the Dodgers played the Giants in the final game between the teams at the Polo Grounds in New York. Both teams moved to California the following season. I don't know how you feel about it at the other end of these microphones whether you're sitting at home or driving a car or on the beach or anywhere, but I know sitting here watching the Giants and Dodgers are finally playing for the last time of the full rounds, You want them to take their time. Two old low, ball three. You just feel like saying, now don't run off the field so fast, fellas. Let's uh, take it easy. We want to take one
3: good, long, lingering look
1: at both of you. That's Vin Scully the longtime play-by-play announcer for the Los Angeles Dodgers baseball team. Scully died Tuesday at the age of
3: 94. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel. We know that George Floyd's murder in May 2020 by a white Minneapolis police officer sparked a global movement. But what do we know about the life of George Floyd? Washington Post reporters Robert Samuels and Tolu Alrunipa set out to answer this question in a new book his name is george floyd one man's life and the struggle for racial justice that's press conference usa this saturday and sunday on the voice of america
1: in european club football a new season kicks off friday in the top tier leagues in england france and germany in england's premier league the three promoted teams are fulham nottingham forest and bournemouth Bournemouth defender Jordan Zamora recently spoke with VOA's Mike Hove about his career in England and in Africa. In this encore sunny side of sports presentation, let's listen in again to the comments from the 22-year-old Zimbabwe International. Um, I feel like
0: it's been a very good good season last year. And I think um, as a team, we really grew together. And bonded as one and if you see our changing room we're all really close friends and like it was just I guess some, some people may say destined but like, I think we worked really hard in the preseason last year and now we're just really excited to get going this season
4: your career has progressed so so quickly over the past couple of years um in August you're actually the player of the month at Bournemouth uh congratulations on that you scored so many calls as a left back congratulations on that what are your thoughts on the analysts on what people are saying about you and how your career has progressed?
0: Um of course it's flattering. It's nice to hear and stuff like that when people speak well of you. Of course, that's human nature. It's nice to be complimented. It's nice to know like what you're doing, you know, and the hard work that you're doing. People are seeing it as well. But I think that for for football's a very um it's an up and down sport. So, you know, like as much as there was highs, there was obviously lows, like from my injury to getting back to getting back to my best as I could. And then obviously, yeah, so Obviously, I thank, thank the analysts for saying what they said and stuff like that, such as like, the goal contributions that I've helped towards the team and just all in general, really. It's been um, it's very nice to hear. And obviously, my mom always keeps me grounded. She's always telling me,
4: come on, is the next one now. Um, let's talk about your AFCON uh, appearance, because that's arguably the most important appearance for the Warriors. Um, yeah. What was it like playing up against Africa's elite, Africa's best in AFCON?
0: Being able to perform at the biggest stage at AFCON was just, it was surreal for me because it's something I've watched from young when I used to see the likes of Didier Jogbar, you know, Yaya Toure, players of those standards playing this tournament. I used to think, wow, like, these are African players that play in the Premier League and they're representing their country. Like, it filled me with a sense of pride and sort of something from a young age. I've always thought, you know what, one day, like, when I hopefully, like, God willing, like, I get there. I'm not not going like, to look back on it and take my opportunity and yeah it's a performing that competition Cameroon was a very beautiful country of course it didn't go to as planned as getting out of the group but obviously winning against guinea was uh, was an amazing experience i think that just showed the nation like what's to come showed like how good the young youngsters coming through are and stuff like that and obviously the old play the older players there they helped lead us and stuff like that so yeah it was, it was surreal for me very surreal moment
4: you, you know, there's so many players that are born in different countries and end up representing their countries where they live, right? So yeah. uh, you were born in England. Why choose to represent Zimbabwe when you could easily, you know, work hard and, and and play for England? It was always in the back of my mind, but I remember being 20 and I was
0: just like, you know what, I want to I wanna play men's football. I want to play first team football. I hadn't been on loan or anything like that. I was training with the first team. And I was like, this is I've played a few games, I made my debut at Crystal Palace, played Man City. And then I was like, this is a great opportunity. This is something that um I can't, how can you say no to this? How can I say nah, I'll give it a couple of years, see if I can get in. I wasn't gonna do that. It was more or less the sense of, you know, my my grandma's there, my granddad's there, for my mom's side, my family there, like types the type Zamora, there's a few Zamoras in Zimbabwe. So it was a sense of like. Not pride to my family, but it was for me like just to show like my sib- my siblings, my older siblings, my cousins, my, you know, like we represent Zimbabwe, like this is my country. So it was it was an easy, it was an easy choice for me when the opportunity came. And obviously, I spoke to the management team there at Zim, Zifa. They they were very like they were pushing me to come. They wanted me to come, and I felt that sense of like you know that sense of love, that sense of listen, we want you here, and it was a great moment for me to do that in my career. I think without that, I don't think I'd be where I am now. So I think it was a great step up at the time.
4: At 22, you're about to play in what is arguably the biggest football league in the world. You're going to rub shoulders with the biggest global icons on the football field. Um, what can people expect from you in the 2022-23 season, man?
0: You know, a young, hungry, a young, hungry man
4: who's ready
0: to take take on the world. Really, like i you know, I fear no one. You know, I'm ready to go and compete at the highest level, and also to learn. I think that's one of the biggest things. I think last season, I learned a lot in the championship, and I can only thank, obviously, the manager and giving me that trust to play in that division because, like i tell you, it's a tough, tough division, of course. It's hard, yeah. I learned a lot, the physicality side of it. So, like, now, going into the EPR, I know, like you said, like, global icons, the likes of Ronaldo, Fernandes, and players like this. It's, it's amazing because, you know, I want to learn from them. I want to see how they play on the field. Of course, I want to compete. And you want it to want to win games win matches. But I think the learning bit is going to be the best thing for me because that's how you improve. You can only improve by learning and, you know, working through, like, you know, tough times, you know, in games. And then when, you'll see when you're winning,
1: obviously it's going to be a little bit harder this season. But, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that aspect of it. That's Bournemouth and Zimbabwe left back. Jordan Zamora. And he spoke with VOA's Mike Hove via Zoom from Dorset in England. This is the voice of America, Washington, D.C. The new English Premier League season begins Friday when Crystal Palace will host Arsenal at Selhurst Park in London. On Saturday, there are six Premier League matches scheduled. Jordan Zamora and Bournemouth are at home against Aston Villa. Fulham will host Liverpool. Leeds United is at home against the Wolverhampton Wanderers. Newcastle will host Nottingham Forest. Tottenham Hotspur will take on visiting Southampton. And Everton will host Chelsea. And that wraps up the August 3rd edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports. I get it.